Father, we thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon that which we pursue this morning as we continue to seek the favor, Lord. And we understand it's getting easier and easier because the wisdom and the revelation is percolating inside of us. We're excited, oh God. We're excited, Father, that it's not a fleeting thing. It's, it's not just a moment. And it's not even just a movement. It's a mandate. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that understanding. Now, Lord, let everything that's said and done be unto your glory, your glory alone, according to the word of God, with fresh revelation and the power and strength of your anointing. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're feeling very green here today. Very green. We're supporting green. Green. I don't know what, what about green, but we're supporting. Everybody that has green on, stand up. I see green back here. Yes, yes, yes. More it's green. not easy. Well, you're green. sort of green. You got mana, 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 mana. There's green. Okay, okay. It's something green. All right. Who has green eyes in here? Anybody? Green eyes? There, green eyes. Yeah, yeah. Pardon? Jeffrey's got green. Yeah, Jeffrey. It's... <laughs> It's easy. Yeah. Well, it's been a, a good run, and uh, we do have something special happening next Sunday. They have a name. It's called Mani and Shirzad, and it's Irfan. Prophet Mani will be with us. It's been a couple years since he's been with us. He'll be coming, and he's going to be sharing a uh, prophetic word God has put on his heart. Some, he's been through some rough roads and times in the past couple years, so he's going to be able to relate, and you're going to be able to relate to him. Uh, Sharzad, his wife, lost both her mother and her father in the last couple months. He lost his father in the last couple months. And uh, so they've been on a very, very difficult place, but he wants you to know he's in a good place with the Lord, in a good place with the Lord. And the Lord was faithful with all of their parents who are all Iranian. They're all Iranian, uh, not born into Christianity. They were born into Islam. But God, God is, not only is he merciful, God's all powerful, amen? And uh, so I want you to come, if you've never been in the presence and in the opportunity to hear Monty, please do. He's a son. I consider him a favored son. I love him dearly. He's a powerful man of God with a powerful testimony. I'm actually gonna ask him to share some of that with you if you've never heard it. How the Lord literally, literally stopped the Ayatollah on an airplane until he agreed to let Monty be free at age 16 and come to the United States. That's the anointing and power that's on that man of God. Powerful man of God. So come, come and see him. And if you're tuning in, do tune in next Sunday. You're not gonna to wanna to miss this. I do wanna say hello to all of our friends everywhere. Um, you've been writing and I love that and Laura Lee shares them with me typically. And I thank you for our, our family that's in Africa. Uh, Bishop Vincent, get your act together. We need some more terms and stuff, young man, in order for us to finish the uh, mission to get there. We have three people from the house who are preparing to go to Africa. Uh, led by Apostle uh, Patricia Scahill. She had to leave to go get her sister out of Cleveland Hospital who had knee replacement surgery. We have Pastor Ralph Roya, who's going to be going. 
And who's our third one? Where's he at? Oh, oh, Dwayne. Dwayne up in the tower. Dwayne's going. And uh, I told Dwayne he's going to discover his roots. He's going to discover his roots. Now, uh, let me just have a little fun with you. How many of you know who uh, Tony Fernandez is, the baseball player? Remember? Tony Fernandez was with the Yankees, and he was with the Indians, and he's the man that was on second, uh, playing second base. They were in the last inning, and they needed an out, and he was an all-star, and all the golden glove, and the ball went right between his wickets, and the Indians lost in the World Series. Tony uh, was a good friend. He went to, I took him to Kenya with me, and while I was preaching, some man stood up and came forward. I thought it was Tony. And here, it was somebody there that looked exactly like Tony. Same age, same height, same everything. I called Tony up and put him nose to nose, and they were looking at each other like they were in a mirror. And uh, they began to share, and I said, Tony, we found your roots, brother. They're from Kenya, right here. If this isn't proof, I don't know what it is. And it's, how many of you know how amazing and wonderful it is to really discover your roots? Hmm? I mean, I had to go back and get mine rediscovered and find out where our family came through, through Syria and to Lithuania and into Italy and finally here with the Jewish roots and the Italian roots and some other smatterings that were in there. And I found it to be really, really amazing. And something happens when that begins to settle in into your spirit it's called identity. And uh, so I, I really believe, Dwayne, you got some identity coming, son, while you get there. I don't think his roots are Kenyan. I'm going to leave that to another side. I think it's on the other side of Africa, myself, uh, where I've been. But in any regard, I'm so thrilled with our team that's going. We want to keep them in prayer. They're going to be ministering to thousands of pastors and leaders and, uh, and uh, ordaining them and anointing them, and it's going to be five days of powerful conference and ministry for Touch Heaven Africa. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're on a series, part four, of the favor of God, and um, I want to start off by explaining to you what a mandate is and what a mandate is not. Now, a law and a mandate have the same power to be enforced. God gave us the law, correct? And then we had the prophets and the prophets, and now we have the new covenant. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. So we understand that the law still has a place of purpose because God's laws are eternal. But Jesus fulfilled them. Because they're fulfilled, we are no longer under that law. We are under Jesus. If you're under Jesus, the laws are fulfilled. But there's also a mandate, and the mandate is oftentimes prophetic. A mandate, uh, if you were talking about uh, something as a mandate here in this earth, it would be the ruling authority giving a mandate. Not a law, not passed by a legislature, not a government thing, but a mandate. And the mandate would what? Be like an executive order. We hear a lot about executive orders here in this country. Some of them get overturned, some of them get reinforced. But the mandate of God will never be overturned. And I want you to get that in your mindset because once you do, I think it's going to help and open you up to the power that you have. The power that you have invested into you by the mandate of God for the favor of God. Now, 
I want to turn us to the book of Isaiah. And I want to start off in Isaiah 61, verse 1. Something that should be very familiar to many of you because Jesus echoed this when he was in the synagogue, and we'll read about that in Luke 4, 18 shortly. But in Isaiah 61, 1, Isaiah is prophetically proclaiming what Jesus would say many, 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 many years later. And he did that at the beginning of his ministry in Nazareth. And so Isaiah prophesies something that is prophetic and its time hadn't come yet. He was prophesying those who would be afflicted and how they would have to endure. He was he was prophesying the return of Israel. He was prophesying the blessings to the Gentiles. He was prophesying Jesus and what Jesus would bring with him, the Messiah. So he starts off and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Let's stop right there. Are these mere words to you? Or is this a prophetic uttering to you? The spirit of the Lord God is upon you. It's upon you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you because the Lord has anointed Jesus who anoints you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound Deliverance, healing. Hope, confidence. A new way, another way, the best way. Confidence. Next verse. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Underline to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and put a pause on the day of vengeance of our God. We're in the acceptable year of the Lord. We've not yet crossed over into the vengeance of our God. So this is wrapped into a prophetic opportunity, a mandate that is given. I wanna focus on that word, acceptable. And I want you to understand something, that there are many times interpretations, some of which are better understood as we look to defining words, and acceptable is that word. When you go to the root of that word and you get to the original language of that word, it talks about a season of favor. It talks about a time of favor. Year does not mean a single year, it means a time, right? It's a time. So he's saying an acceptable year, an acceptable time, a time of favor, a time of the favor of our God. Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the time of the favor of our God. The favor of our God to God's people began when Jesus released that in the synagogue in Nazareth, right after he came from being tempted of the devil, right after before that he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, right after before that when he began to do miracles and to preach the message of God, and he went to his own place in Nazareth and went back to his own synagogue. And he read the word as a rabbi, not as a student. He proclaimed it. 
He spoke it and he closed it at a certain point. And he closed it when it came to that point of the vengeance of God because it hadn't come yet. But he spoke into being the time and the season of the favor of God. That's a mandate. Okay. That, that's a mandate. That is something that God himself spoke through the prophet Isaiah, whom the Son of God, God himself, released on earth. A word that had been hidden as a mystery of God for all those years and released at that time. He said, I've come to preach it. But now we understand that we're to preach it. Not only is he the one who released that word, but that word's released in you, for you, in me, for me, and from us, and to whomever. To preach the acceptable year, the season, the favor of God. That season of the favor of God. If you receive that, and if you believe that, it's a prophetic foundation for you. It's a wisdom and a revelation that we'll get into in a moment. Then you don't have to labor and work for favor. You're in the season and the time of favor, right? Now, how many of you want to go home today and shovel snow? I have a snow shovel for you, and we'll take a picture of you out there. Because why? It's not the season for snow. But there will be a season for snow. And when the season comes, you will surely know you're shoveling snow. Right? But right now, there's a season and a time for favor. And that season and time for favor is not subject to the earth. It's not subject to nature. It's not subject to flesh. It's a mandate from God Almighty. And Jesus said, I've come. I've come to preach the favor of God. I've come to establish the favor of God. All this other stuff, setting the prisoners free, healing the blind, moving with all of it. To him, that was just seconds. That was like having your main entree is the favor of God, and then it's all the things you order with it. Give me some soup. Give me some salad. Give me a piece of bread. You know, my wife will give me some hot peppers and oil. It's, that's all the extras that you want with it. But the entree is the favor of God. The entree is God saying, I've sent my son to preach a message and release my favor upon you. Now, let's go and look at a few more scriptures just so you get it. And you don't think Pastor Frank is just making up a whole bunch of revelation here. Let's go to verse 6 of that same chapter. But you... Now remember, he's talking at a dismal time. He's talking at a time when Israel is broken. Their relationship with God is gone. There is no people of God that are really moving and towing in line with God. Isaiah is bringing a message of trying to point the way to the Messiah to get them out of all the darkness. And this message becomes inclusive of all the people of the earth. Right? Not just Jew, but also Gentile. And that, that revelation doesn't really come. It doesn't really come until we get into Jesus and then the epistles. And then there's confusion and chaos and argument because it didn't make sense. But, but he's pointing to it. And Isaiah is crying out as an oracle of God, but you, you shall be named the priests of the Lord. The priests of the Lord. Now understand something. 
that was a radical message at that time because the only people who could be priests of the Lord was, were those that had the bloodline, were those that came from Aaron, were those that came from the Levites. Those were the priests of the Lord. I couldn't appoint or anoint one of you of a priest if you didn't come from that bloodline. It wasn't an opportunity to be appointed. You had to be anointed. You had to be elected. The word is elected, not selected, elected. You had to be elected by the divine favor of God to be a priest. But now all of a sudden he shifts everything and he says in this time of the acceptable favor of God in this year, in this time, in this season, I elect you to be a priest of the Lord. I elect you to be a priest. Are you a priest and are you a king? Yes, you're a priest and a king. You love to say it, but listen, this is when it came to you. This is the election that came to you. It came to you at the moment that Jesus Christ released that word in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he closed the book. The word of God himself released the word and spoke it into being. And from that day forward, there was a shifting, a shifting for the kingdom of God, and that shifting was all people, whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you were elected to be a priest. Now, just for some of you who haven't been taught this before, for me or someone else, a priest and a king are not the same thing, right? A priest is the one who has access to the Lord. We minister in the holiness of God, in the righteousness of God as a priest. But as a king, we have governmental authority and dominion. The priest isn't about dominion. The priest is about ministering the righteousness of God. The kingship is about dominion. Practice your dominion. Every step you take is a place that God has given you. You have a sphere of authority. You have authority over evil. You have authority over all of the influences of your flesh when you take it. But as a priest, you have access to God. You have access to God. And you have access to God. A priest not only goes for themselves, they go for others. That's the power you have as a priest. He said, I have elected you as a priest of the Lord. You, you, they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Now this word Gentile isn't you. What? It's not you. Really, when you get down to what the brass definition of a Gentile, it's a heathen. You're not a heathen. You believe in God. You're not a heathen. You believe in God. And so what he's saying is that the riches of the heathen and in their glory they shall boast. You shall boast. You're going to eat the riches of the heathen. That's ultimate favor of God. Do you understand? That's wrapping it up in a nice little enchilada for you. It's the favor of God. And in that instance, what he's saying to you is, I've got the riches, the riches of the heathen to give to you. Wow. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. And and in it, let's look at some more. And he says, and in their glory, the riches of the glory of the Gentiles, the riches of the glory that you receive, you shall boast. You shall boast. You see, we're not arrogant people. I hope not. We're not prideful people. God knows we don't want to be. But we're allowed to boast about the riches of the blessings of God. He wants you to. He doesn't want you to stay quiet. He wants you to tell people, I'm highly favored. He wants you to say to somebody, look what the Lord has done for me. Wow. 
He wants you to say, I was blind, but now I will see. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I didn't know, but now I know. I have a path. I have a way. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I'm going to boast about the riches of God because I have a mandate of favor from the Lord God Almighty. I am walking in favor. I am born into favor. I don't have to pursue favor. Favor pursues me because that's the mandate of God. Think of it this way. How easy it is it to stay dry if you submerge yourself in water? Can you stay dry? Is every, every little piece of your body wet? I think so. Everything's wet. You jump in water, you come out totally wet. You jump in favor, you come out totally favored. Ha, 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 ha. Totally favored. Not partially favored. Not just, not just somewhat favored, but soaked in the favor of the Lord. And this is the season, this has been the season, and the reason some who know their God are moving and operating is because they have the wisdom and knowledge of the favor of God, and there's those who don't. There's those who don't. There are those who keep waiting for the windows of heaven to open up for another season, but they're already open. They're already open. And we also understand the Lord says, you want some more, watch what I will do. Let's move on forward to this so you'll get a grasp of this. Are you getting this? Are you, this is good stuff. Are you getting this? Okay, uh, let's go on to verse 9. And their seed shall be known among the heathen. Ha, 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 hey! Your seed shall be known, shall be known. To be known in this sense is the same thing as intimacy. It's the same thing as when a man and a woman come together and have intimate relationship to produce seed. Your seed shall be produced, your seed shall be produced and known unto the Lord. They shall be known. Your seed don't have a choice. Listen to me. Your seed don't have a choice. See, see, this is wisdom and revelation about the promise of the mandate of the favor of God. Your seed may try. It may, they may, we, you know, we all tried. We go walk. We stumble. We bumble. We want to tempt stuff. We want to try. Hey! The bottom line is, deep inside the identity, your seed is known. And when your seed is known, your seed is known forever. And it says, your offspring... Among these people, those I've favored, those I've called my new priests, all who see them shall acknowledge them, and that they are the posterity, they are the ones who are favored, they are the ones who are blessed, who the Lord has blessed. Amen. Who the Lord has blessed. Whom the Lord has blessed. The favor of God is, is like a radiant shield. It just moves around you. Nobody can deny the favor of God when you have it. The only person who's walking in the Lord and in the righteousness of God that can subdue and dim the favor of God is you or me, myself. How, pastor? Negative talk. Negative talk. Negative talk. I had somebody the other day, and I said, no, no, this is going to resolve we're going to get this done. We're going to have the favor of God. No, you don't understand, Pastor. The person over that said it's not. I said, shh, 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 shh. They said, why are you telling me to be quiet? I said, because you're being stupid. Yeah. 
They said, what do you mean? I said, you're being stupid. I'm releasing the favor of God and you're quenching it. I don't want to contend with you about the favor of God. I want to minister the favor of God to you. I want to preach the favorable year of God into your life. Why would we do that to ourselves? Hmm? And by the way, I meant to say it while I was... Somebody here had a toothache killed while we were ministering. Is there somebody here who had a bad tooth when you came in? Toothache on the line. Somebody got a tooth healed. It just popped while we were worshiping. I have to release it. You got a tooth. Maybe you didn't know it was healed. Start poking your tooth if you had a bad, bad tooth. Negative speaking. Negative thinking. Do you know you could be in the midst of a blessing and, and be all depressed? You could be in the midst of a blessing and what you're seeing is a cup, what? Half empty instead of a cup half full. What you could be doing is thinking about what wasn't instead of what is. What you could be doing is dwelling upon a bad experience that you had before and think it has to reoccur again. What you could do is, be, is, is to be floundering in unforgiveness and bitterness when the Lord is blessing and, and, and this moving you completely out of it. That's not God restraining you. That's you restraining yourself. And don't blame it on somebody else. Nobody else has control over your heart. You have control over your own heart. But that's good news because you have the strength of the Lord, which we're going to get into in a moment, to overcome that. God doesn't just leave you and say, okay, now you get it on your own and I'll meet you in favor. No, no. He says, I'm going to give you everything you need to not only appoint you and anoint you into favor, to elect you into this priestly clan that I've determined of both uh, Jews and and non-Jews. He said, I'm going to give you all of the characteristics and attributes you need to get there and stay there. That's how good God is. That's the favor of God. That they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. That's you, and that's your seed. And let's go on to verse 10. And I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adores herself with her Jews. We are preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. The Lord is preparing his bride to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. And so the Lord says, rejoice your soul, for he has clothed you with the garments of salvation. Do you know what those garments are? Do you know what the garments and the robe of God are? It's your mantle. It's your mantle. He's given you a mantle of salvation. That mantle speaks out to all creation. Whether they're spirits, whether they're human beings, they may not discern it. They may not understand it unless they have spiritual eyes. But I can assure you the spiritual world sees that you are wearing a mantle of salvation. You have been redeemed by the Lord. You don't have a mark on you. You don't have a flaw on you. You don't have a weakness on you. You are wearing, wearing the mantle of God that says, redeemed my son, my daughter, my person, my child, redeemed my priest. My king, redeemed, redeemed. That, that's your identity. It's your mantle. And he says he's going to close you with the garments, the garments of salvation. 
And then we understand through Paul and Ephesians what we're going to get. Ephesians 6, right? You got the helmet, you got the sword, you got the shield, you got your feet, you've got your girdle. He says, I'm going to clothe you completely with everything you need in order that nobody can penetrate who you are. And he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now, if the garments are your mantle, what's the robe? Think about it. The robe covers you. That means everywhere you go, the shadow of the Lord is your covering. Everywhere you go, there's a new atmosphere called righteousness that goes with you. You might walk in to the most sinful place in the world, but there's a righteousness that walks in with you unless you come out from under the covering. And in that righteousness, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, it's what you're made of. He was made sin that you might be made righteousness. He was made sin, you were made righteousness. That doesn't mean you just got a category of righteousness, it means that you became righteousness. That's the whole part about you and him and he and you becoming one. You are the righteousness of God. You are the glory of God, God's glory. Give them thy glory that I had with you always, Father, that they might be one, even as we are one. The God stuff, the God stuff. And so maybe you look for an example on earth. You know, you can look at the, at the mother who is shielding her child. How about, you know, the, the tragedy of the most recent school shooting and, and they showed uh, in, in another shooting that was done out in, in an open area and they showed the father who sh shielded his son, shielded his child and the child came out wondering where the parent was afterwards. He shielded. That's God with you. He's got you shielded. He's covering you in his righteousness. He wants you to understand that, yes, you have a mantle, a mantle that cannot be penetrated. Your salvation is yours. Nobody can take it from you. You can't earn it. You can't give it away. God has given it to you. But his righteousness is his covering over you. And he's adorning you with jewels, with jewels without spot or wrinkle to be a bride for the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. So we're in the acceptable year. We're in the year of the favor of God. You have been elected as priests. Priests to minister favor, and that goes through your entire bloodline. Your entire bloodline. How do I know it goes through the bloodline? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the, the, the law. I came to fulfill it. In order for you to be a priest in the law, you had to come through the bloodline. You had to come through the bloodline. So now, if the Lord's given a mandate and Jesus is releasing a prophetic word that you've become priests, that means he has totally, totally adopted you and your bloodline. You and your bloodline. Does that give you a little bit more confidence about things? A little better understanding? Maybe about yourself. Huh? Maybe about yourself. Sometimes we think we have to do so much to be accepted of God, but... We, we can't help it. We're soaked in, in, in the acceptance and the favor of God. There's not one piece of us that drive from the favor of God. We just need to have the wisdom and the understanding and, and walk in it, to walk in it, correct? Okay, let me see if I have one more scripture here I want to share out of this. 
I'm going to move on because I don't want to lose much more time. Let's go to... Um, let, let's go to... Luke, chapter 4, starting in 16. I want to do a, a, a parallel between Isaiah and Luke. We started on some of it, but let's go deeper. So Jesus came to Nazareth. As I said to you, this was right after he'd been baptized. At least that's how it is in our Bible. And after he was baptized, he went out in the desert, and he was tempted of the devil the 40 days. He passed that test. He came back in. He began to preach, and everywhere he preached, there was power. People were amazed. He was moving with miracles. He went back to his home, to Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue, as he always did. He went into his home and in the synagogue, already testifying that a prophet can't really be respected in the place they come from. Isn't that true? And so he went back to Nazareth, not because he was trying to establish a ministry or a church or a synagogue, right? He wasn't trying to get a a, a top prime TV program. He went to Nazareth because there was a word that said, what good thing could come out of Nazareth? So he went to establish that. And he went back to his roots. And in his roots, he released this word where he'd been brought up And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Next verse, please. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now remember something, they didn't have Bibles, right? They had scripts and they had tablets. And so Isaiah was one of the most popular ones that was carried through the whole time. And in fact, it was one of the ones that was found almost completely intact in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isn't it amazing how the Lord preserved that word from Isaiah, which was a messianic prophecy, and all of these jewels, going to be born of a virgin, that all came out of Isaiah. And when it all, all of that came through Isaiah, so he stands up to read from this book of the prophet Isaiah, and he found the place where it was written. I had to imagine he probably didn't have to look too hard. I think he just went, boop, and there it was. Next verse, and the Spirit of the Lord, remember we just read it, is upon me. Now he is declaring it. This is the Lord, and this is the Spirit of the Lord that he was just baptized in the fullness of the Spirit to release this message at an appointed time in an appointed place that is now persisting forever. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty liberty those who are oppressed. Next verse. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To set a mandate, to release the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, let's read some of the other scriptures that deal with that. If you look in the New International Version, verse 19, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The season of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. And he began to them by saying, listen to this, today, that day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You've heard the mandate of God. 
I am here to fulfill the favor of God. To fulfill the favor of God. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is in you? Do you believe that Jesus is fulfilling the favor of the Lord? Favor of the Lord is in you. Favor of the Lord is in you. So, I want to break this down. Can we go to Ephesians 1.17, please? Three or four scriptures. Ephesians 1.17. Now, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. He had a rough rough relationship with the Ephesians. They're difficult people. They were sitting in an area that was highly prosperous. And he poured a lot into them. And he had to write a letter back to them because things were going a little sideways as seemed to happen after he left the place. Right? We get to the book of Revelation in John and chapters 2 and 3 when he talks about I'm somewhat against different churches and they would actually were able to point some of that back to what Paul was struggling and dealing with as he went from church to church. But this is him, and he's saying to them that I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, it's not a different spirit than the Holy Spirit, It's a portion of the Holy Spirit that gives gifts. We all don't have the same gift, but we're all supposed to have wisdom and knowledge in the revelation of God, right? You may or may not operate in the gift of healing. You may or may not operate in the gift of prophecy. There's all kinds of things that you may or may not operate in, but we are all called to operate and to understand the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And what Paul is saying is, I couldn't quite get it right with y'all. I left you and you went sideways and someone came and preached you a different gospel and they were more charismatic than me and they looked better than I did and they had more influence than I had and their church got bigger than mine got. But I keep asking God to do what I can't do and that is to give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge in him. How about we ask the Lord to do that right now for us? To give us that spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation. Wisdom, knowledge, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That we get a greater understanding, O Lord, of who You are and who we are in You. We thank You, Father, for that spirit coming alive and activated inside of us. And we ask You, Lord, that no matter who we are and what we thought we were, that You will add unto us and let us go deeper and stronger with a greater understanding. You do it, Father. You do what man can't do. Not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, O Lord. In Jesus' name. Underline wisdom. Underline revelation. The whole theme that God has built me upon for years that I've taught with, taught in churches, taught in Bible college, taught wherever, anything that I've presented, is to build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God with fresh revelation. Because the Word of God gives us wisdom. The Word of God lets us understand the truths of God. 
And in those truths of God, we have true wisdom. We have wisdom that goes beyond the laws of nature. It goes beyond the laws of any government. It goes beyond humanity and social standards, environmental standards, political standards, geopolitical standards, educations. It goes far beyond that. It goes into the wisdom and the mind of Christ. So we do that with a firm foundation of the Word of God, always praying over that Word, watering it. Lord, give me some more understanding. For what? So that I can have a revelation in the knowledge of you, a fresh revelation. If I want to hang on the revelation I used to have, I've sort of put a a, a plug in the current and said, Lord, that's enough. I don't need any more. But how many of you know that none of us can grasp the wonders and mysteries of God in totality? How many of you know that there's always something new and fresh in the morning? How many of you know that no matter how many times you've read the same scripture, you come back to it with a fresh understanding? Do you know, you know how I got to Isaiah 61 for this morning? My wife and I were, 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 were dialing through a few things and we listened to the Michael W. Smith reimagination concert that I knew was coming on TBN. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. It's my kind of stuff. He took his whole album from 9-11 that was released on the day of 9-11 and he called it Reimagined. And what he did was he heard it in a full symphony and then he hired the people to help him and they reconstructed that music from that album with a full symphony. I have to confess to you, I was, Sonny and I were laughing about it this morning. I told him, Sonny, when we're here, I hear a symphony. That's what I hear. And so I was just glued to it. I was telling my wife, oh, listen to the cello. Listen to the violinist. Listen to that movement. Listen to how they, they built that chord upon that chord and took a movement because I was just so excited about it. Well, that got all over and it was like, you know, it's like you just won the Super Bowl and all of a sudden you're like, ah. <laughs> so I flipped the channel and a person preaching that I don't ever listen to and really don't quite agree with a lot of, but somebody came out and read out of Luke 4. But when it came to that word, the acceptable favor of the Lord, light bulbs went out. I've read that a zillion times, those light bulbs never went out like that because I've been praying and seeking and pursuing the understanding and the knowledge of the revelation of the favor of God. And then all of a sudden the Lord said, there it is, son, you asked me for it. There it is. How many of you know that revelation can come to you in the most strange ways? It could come to you from people that don't even understand what they're imparting to you. You could see one thing and somebody could see something else, correct? You could, somebody could see something to them as junk and to you it's a treasure. And God just imparts it to you and all of a sudden, all the lights go off and you say, wow, well that's what happened to me. And I, I became engorged with the acceptable favor of the year of the Lord. And as I read it, I said, wow, wow. I taught myself, I don't have to struggle for the favor. I just have to know I'm in that year of the favor that Jesus Christ proclaimed. Fresh revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul was saying, Lord, I'm getting tired. I'm trying to teach it, but Lord, You know, with all due respect, I don't have it all either. So how about we just pray? How about we just pray that you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in our glorious God? Let's go on to Ephesians 18, 118, the next verse. Notice that he prays this, and it's a wonderful song too, by the way. I pray that the eyes of your heart, 
This says the eyes of your understanding, and that's good too. Be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the states, in the saints. Another scripture from New International Version says that your understanding, your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you with the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints. It echoes what Isaiah said. It echoes Isaiah 61 and 9, where he just said, I'm, I'm going to bring forth the blessings and everyone's going to be able to see them upon you. And it's also going to be to the seed of your seed. And your seed's going to see it. No one's going to be able to deny it. And you're going to boast of it. Paul's praying that these Ephesians can get enlightened and understand that it's not the fancy words they're hearing from somebody else. It's not the, it's not the, the, the riches. It's not what appears to be success that somebody else is showing. It happens to be the enlightenment of who you are and what you have already in Christ Jesus. You don't have to pursue it. Do you know how many people hop from one place to the other? They're believers. They go all over the place. They're looking for that one word. They're looking for that one trough to drink some more water from. They're looking for some fresh grass to eat. But really the truth of the matter is it's all here. It's all here. And when, you, when the revelation hits you and you understand it, then everything that comes out, the worship that comes, the environment that you're in, the word of God that you hear, the enlightenment that you have, all of it just bursts and erupts inside of you. And then you begin to understand the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? We know faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't have faith unless you have hope that has confidence. That faith will perish. That faith isn't based upon something strong. That faith is based upon one thing. But when your faith is based upon the hope of your calling in Jesus Christ and the inheritance that you have as the saint, as the priest that he said he was going to make you and has made you into, all of a sudden your faith is grounded and founded on something so much broader than one event, one moment, one thing. It cannot, cannot be denied. That's a faith that cannot be let go the glory of his inheritance. Let's go to verse Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Remember I said to you, God will equip us in order to get us to the place of his favor and keep us there. There it is. There it is. And what is the exceeding greatness? Another word that was used was boundless. Another word that was used was exceeding abundance in some of the translations. What is the exceeding abundance, boundless, the greatness, the power of his power towards us who believe, towards us who believe, towards us who believe. Beloved, I've got some news for you. The world may say we are all one, but we are not all one with the world. Sonny, I'm one with you and you're one with me because he's in you and he who's in me is in you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I am not one. I am not one with somebody who hates God. I am not one with somebody who's not walking in the things of God. I'm not walking with them. We are not hitched together. But you and I, towards us who believe. Now, let me straighten that out a little bit too. It doesn't mean to those of us who are perfect because that would be nobody left. Right? We believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that we have the garment of salvation. We believe that we're covered with righteousness. We believe, we believe, we believe. 
And we believe that no matter what we do, if we confess, He is just to forgive us. We believe in the rules of God. We believe in the kingdom of God. And He says those who believe are, are, understand the greatness of His power according to the working of His great power. Stop right there. You can't get to that place of understanding His great power unless He's working that inside of you. He has to work it inside of you. It has to be a revelation. Now, let me ask you something. You, in times past, I don't know, I'm picking on snow. In times past, you used to use a snow shovel. Do your whole driveway with a snow shovel. It was pretty hard. Then you got a, a snow pup, right? But you didn't have fuel for the snow pup, and it snowed, so you went back out with the snow shovel. What had greater power, the snow shovel or the snow pup? Why couldn't you use the snow pup? Because it wasn't fuel in it. How can you not know the power of God unless you let it have fuel in it inside of you? How do you do it? You work it. You work the power of God. You work the power of God. If you don't put the power of God to work inside of you, you will never understand the exceeding power of God that's in you. And it won't be released to you. That's when you be begin to believe for the impossible. That's when you change your entire vocabulary and your mindset. That's when the doctor says it's something is this bad and it's going to be this bad for you or one of your loved ones. That's when you say, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it's not. I don't accept it. I don't receive it. That does not compute because of the exceeding power of God. The exceeding power of God. And I'm going to let that power working inside of me. I'm going to release that. Come on, she katasha say, I feel the power of God all over me. I'm going to release that in such a manner, in such a way, that it has no authority over me, but I take authority over it. The exceeding power of God working inside of you. Verse 20. Now remember, Paul's praying that the Ephesians get this. He, he could have gone on and on, and he does. You know, I did a whole teaching on Ephesians. He could go on and on, and he tries, and he does, but he realized right at the beginning that unless God does this work in the Ephesians, he's just wasting his breath and his time. And the next wolf that comes along is going to snatch him away to another philosophy, which he worked in Christ. Now he points that power. He has us to measure it, to gauge it. We understand what the fullness and the root of that power is, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That power worked Christ from the dead and is working through Christ in the heavenly places at the right hand of God. He said another prayer to the Philippians in chap chapter 3, verse 10. He said that I pray that you know him and the power of his resurrection and the power of his resurrection and the power of his resurrection. You have the power of his resurrection as a priest of God, anointed to release it with authority as a mandate of God as his elect. And that power is the greatest power that all creation has ever seen. It's greater than anything else that anybody could consider because not only did it rock hell, it rocked heaven and everything else. It changed everything. And that power has never quit. You know, we've had, unfortunately, some atomic bombs released on this earth, but after a while, their timelines go down, and, and the, the potency and effect of them isn't as bad as it used to be. We've had viruses that continue on. We could go on. We have forest fires that do a lot of damage. We see a lot of things that have power, but we've never seen anything have the power of the resurrection. 
Jesus is still saving. Jesus is still healing. Jesus multiplied into billions and billions of people that are just like him. You and I doing what he did, proclaiming the gospel, doing the ministry of the kingdom of God. And he's seated in the heavenly places. Finally, verse 121. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, not only in this age, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He said that power, it's above everything. That power is boundless. That power, no one can quench. And that power is in you. Go on to the next verse. I have to, I have to go this, this point. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. To who? To who? All things are under his feet. He's the head to the church, but he didn't stop there. Next verse. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You are the fullness of Christ in all of his power. Hey! You are the fullness of Christ in all of his power. And so as you proclaim favor, as you walk in favor, as you soak yourself in favor, it's a fullness favor. It's not a fleeting favor. You know why I got to that point of wondering about fleeting favor? Because I've been so excited about the favor of God pouring out in this house and upon y'all. Many of you come up to me and say, Pastor, I, this happened. And then this happened, and then this happened, and this is happening, and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, don't make me a liar. I'm talking about favor pouring out in this house, Lord, don't let it stop. And then the Lord slapped me. He said, son, that's stupid. And so I began to pursue favor. You know why I had that mindset? Because a while ago, when we were allowing different churches to use this church, very, a very poor church from the east side of Youngstown got kicked out of their place and they called me. I didn't know who they were. I was down in Florida working and this was back in 2002. I don't know. And they said, could we use your church? I said, we don't have a place to go. And before I picked up the phone, the Lord said, bless them. Don't ask any more questions, just bless them. So he got halfway. I said, listen, you could stop right there. Yes, you could use the church. Oh, what do you want? I said, I just want you to take care of it. It's God's house. Just take care of it. That was it. Well, they didn't take care of it, but that's okay. God brought us back to restore it. I got a call from an elder in that church. Jeff, is Jeff here? Jeff Green, you would know who he is. He was a friend of Jeff's father's. And he said, Pastor, I was praying last night about the generosity that God put in your heart. And I said, no, no, stop right there. I said, it's not me being generous, it's me being obedient. I said, God told me. I said, that's all I had to hear. I didn't have to hear anymore. I said, maybe I'm giving you a headache. I don't know what I'm giving you, but it's yours. He said, no, no, the Lord told me to tell you that the windows of heaven are gonna open up to you with favor. But that favor quit. It's because my mindset was that that was something that God blessed me with because of something I did. And it had, a, it had a, a postage stamp on it that once it was delivered, it was over with. That's not it. Now I have the spirit of the wisdom and the knowledge of the revelation of the favor of God. It's not meant 
to stop. It doesn't have a postage stamp on it. It continues and continues and continues and continues. And I don't have to wonder if we're going to be operating in the same favor in this house next week as we are in this week. I just have to say, proclaim it and bless God for it. And thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Finally, this last scripture. You've heard it many times from me. Matthew 6. 32, 33. Because this is what it's all about. After all these things, the heathen seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Next verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stay under the covering. And all these things shall be added to you. That's the favor of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's how simple it is. Seek first the kingdom of God. We all can do it every day, wherever we're at. It's so simple that it seems too simple. You know, some people prefer religion over revelation because religion gives us a way. If you do this and you go there and you do that and you do this, you fulfilled your obligation. No. It's not about religion. It's all about Him. And it's all about the kingdom of God. We are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's the season and the year that we're in. And God is highly favoring us to do everything we need to do. And He's going to continue to do so. For you personally and for us as a church, He's preparing His bride. Jesus is coming. Bless the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord.